0: Your hosts, Chris Natalini and Mick Michaels. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Cosmic Voice. This is Season 2, Episode 18. I am here with my co-host, Chris Nanolini. Hello, hello. And I am Mick Michaels. Welcome back to another show. Sir, how are
1: you? doing awesome dude how are you i'm fantastic great to hear you are awesome i am awesome listen man i you know again you know we bank a few episodes so when people hear this or you know we're they're a little behind but today was 80 degrees man oh, the yeah. first day is awesome oh yeah Yesterday was real
0: nice at seventy six degrees. Today, that's right. It was it was in the eighties, you know. And then tomorrow is supposed to be in the eighties again. And then we're supposed to go back to seasonal time. But I listen. I'll take it either way. This is fantastic. We're moving into May. That's um, it, brother. You know that's what it. I mean. I love that's May. It. April showers did not happen, which I'm fine with. Keep the showers away. That's right. Right. Well, that's I mean, right. I like to shower in the morning. I get that. You know what I mean? Personal hygiene. <laughs> but when it comes to my outsideness, that's right. You know, sun, sun, and sun. Exactly. So that's, exactly.
1: That's my opinion. I agree. I agree.
0: All right. Well, listen, so what we're doing is we're doing a continuation from the last podcast. The last podcast focused on. Artists or bands we felt that made a major impact on the music scene as a whole. But we're going to take that a little further and dive a little deeper into that. And this episode, which we're calling part two, is going to focus strictly on bands or artists who we have felt have been influential to our personal careers. Does that make sense? Does to me. Okay, so I'm going to repeat it (laughs) one more time just to make sure everybody gets it. We're gonna talk about bands or artists who were influential in our personal careers. What do you got, buddy? So
1: instantly, first off, foremost, to me, one of the most important bands in rock and roll, and one of the most influential bands to me was the mighty Van Halen. Now for me, Van Halen encompassed everything. Roth was obviously Roth. I mean, you know, there's really not much you could say about him. Lyrical genius. Great performer. He had a great voice. I, I still enjoy his voice to this day. I understand that he has had some vocal issues through the years. Uh, I know the live album isn't all that great, but I love David Lee. His The stuff that he sang on VH is phenomenal. I think he fit perfect with the band. I mean, Michael, Alex, and Eddie, can't, there's nothing you could say about them that already hasn't been said. Van Halen was just a great, fun, rock and roll band. I mean, I just lived for Van Halen. Even to this day, you know, going into my 51st year of life, Van Halen is just a part of my every day, whether it's one song or whether it's a full record. It's just, Van Halen is just a huge inspiration to me. The way that Roth commanded the stage, the way they just had fun, man. And, you know, of course, we said in another um, episode two, we were talking about books. I think it was, what uh, mm-hmm. was it? Cosmos, You know, we talked about Ross' book and, you know, he came out in his book and said, you know, a lot of things that appeared to be real were pre-planned and, and you know, there was some thought behind it. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't everything that you thought it was as a fan. But even then, I still thought it was super cool. It showed me a, a different way to look at things, a different way to do things. And, you know, they were as much business as they were, man, when they hit the stage, it was all about just complete fun. I think that's important. I think it's one thing we don't really see. We talked about that, too. You know, there's you don't really see a lot of that. You see it more now than you did back in the day, but bands just, like, clearly having fun. And, um, and Van Halen was one of those bands for me, on top of how amazing the music was. It's without a doubt, especially,
0: you know, with Eddie passing late last year, you've seen the type of effect he had and the music of Van Halen had on people worldwide, without a yes. doubt. And it's backdrop many many musicians early career as well as just fans you know it's like you said it's like a soundtrack i mean they were definitely a band that had everything kind of going for them i mean they had the sound they had a look they were technically sound yeah 100 players right there was never any question in their ability sure over the years people said you know david lee roth wasn't really a singer he was more of a crooner but listen So is Frank Sinatra. So is Bing Crosby. You know, we're we're talking about greats of the industry. Right, right. So to be influential doesn't mean you have to be the best at whatever it is. Listen, hands down, you know, Rob Halford was probably a way better singer all around package than David Lee Roth. However, what David Lee Roth did, brought to Van Halen, created for that band and for the fans, Mm. it's undeniable. I mean, I agree with you. So, you know, I've met countless people that Van Halen is the benchmark for them. 100%.
1: 100%, 100%. And, and, you know, it goes to say, too, that even if people aren't Van Halen fans, pretty much everybody knows at least one Van Halen song, whether it's Rolf era or Hagar era. Like, everybody knows a Van Halen song. Absolutely. They may not know the name. They may not know who's singing it. At the time, but they know that they know that sound. They know, you know, they go, Oh, that's that's a Van Halen song.
0: Like, they know who it is. You're right. It's undeniable. I mean, across albums, it's undeniable. Yeah. Whether it was Eddie's guitar, Alex's drums, the singer, it was all together. It was undeniable. Yeah. yeah. I agree yeah. with you. I agree with you. Yep. Okay.
1: This is Steven Pearson from Rat, the Rat Bastard. You're listening to The Cosmic Voice. And yours? The
0: first band, you know, we have talked about them all the time here on the podcast, is Kiss. I know that just sounds like, you know, the same old, same old, but Destroyer was the album that kind of really set the tone for me. And as a guitar player, as I started to get older and more involved in the craft... I realized how simple Ace Frehley's approach was to playing. And I always considered it a simple, sophisticated way to play. You talk about having a distinct sound, the tone, a style. He had it. His leads, though they, you know, again, by today's standards, would he be considered a shredder? No, not at all. Yet he influenced so many early guitar players. Dimebag Darrell. Yeah. You know what yep. I mean? There was a simple sophistication... To what he did, and I've spent so many years trying to grasp that approach and learn to apply it to my own lead work writing, so to speak. But, I mean, as a band as a whole, I just resonated with their music. Now, again, I know that the the critics, they weren't fantastic musicians early on. They weren't this, they weren't that. Listen, again, it's not a contest of who's better than who, right? Any given Sunday, a football team could lose or they could win. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. right? And I think, you know, they had pushed boundaries. They were not afraid to experiment. And I have more or less tried to emulate certain things that they had done or achieved as a benchmark for myself, like we talked about with Van Halen. Did I assume that I was going to or did I, you know, that I was going to achieve those things? No, not at all. But they were like guidelines, right? I mean, who better to follow than the people you want to be more like? If they're doing something, follow that path somehow. But try to tailor it to your own. So, you know, a lot of the things that I started reading about that, you know, KISS was doing early on, I was like, oh, wow, we did stuff like that, not thinking, not knowing, because, you know, when we were younger you didn't have that same kind of information about what the band was doing early right. on you know stuff like that right. as you do now now that everybody's come out they've told their stories you've learned mm-hmm. these things it's kind of interesting in a in a sense and Paul Stanley and Ace Frilly were always my favorites the characters I really like the way Paul Stanley writes I'm a huge fan of his you know solo his first solo album I think compared to Ace's it's more of a complete themed package Right. Ace has got a good album, but it's kind of disjointed, in my opinion. It's got a lot of different stuff. I mean, there's a couple really well produced songs and a couple that were like, "Eh, I don't know. You know, he kind of like he was just throwing things at the wall. And in my opinion, he always talked about, you know, and again, we're going someplace else, but he always talked about he just wanted to rock and roll, and rock and roll. And I thought that maybe he could have demonstrated that even more if he was talking, he he wanted to get hard and heavy and that kind of stuff. So listen, it's a good album. I don't, you know, and there's a lot of stuff that I picked up from there as well. So I think as a unit, the four of those guys were pretty unique and they were a threat. And they just kind of lost mm-hmm. their own way, unfortunately. But that's definitely a band. Even yeah, to today, that's for sure. in, in my early days of mixing, I used to, in the weeks prior to getting into it, I would listen to Kiss albums. I didn't realize that I was doing that at first. And all of a sudden, I found, like, mm-hmm. you know, my, my Kiss listening would go up. You know, in our early days of touring <laughs> with this band, we used to do, like, you know, 14, 15, 16-hour stretches in a car. And and we'd sometimes play, you know, nonstop Kiss James always hated it, but the rest of us enjoyed it. But um, <laughs> it,
1: it was that kind of thing. Even though he's a Kiss
0: fan, he can only handle so much of it, you know. It's definitely one of those bands. And even today, there's still things, I'll go back to that classic Kiss era and go, you know, how did they approach that? And what did they, what were they thinking? And Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's just, you know, again, none of my music is at all like Kiss. It's, yeah. it's not, it doesn't sound like Kiss at all, but it's definitely something that has influenced me. cool.
1: Cool. <laughs> Well, since I knew KISS would be on your list, KISS is also on my list. But I mean, obviously, I'm not a guitar player like yourself. But again, it was one of those things where you didn't have to be all over the fretboard to be badass. You know what I mean? And, you know, they just had great songs and great catches and which kind of goes hand in hand with, you know, another band that inspired me. And I'll kind of just boot off this because you had already picked KISS. And I, I pretty much agree with you on everything you said. So for me, because I figured you would pick Kiss, my next one really is Judas Priest and and Rob Halford and Priest. And I kind of look at Priest the same way as I do Kiss. And here's what I mean by that. Rob Halford, obviously, I could never be Rob Halford. I never really intended to be as as a vocalist. As someone with a badass image. And Judas Priest is one of those bands that proved to me that you could write heavy metal songs and have a hell of a groove to them i mean listen you know some of the melody lines in a lot of pre songs and you know just the guitars and it's just i don't want to say simple simple it just has such a groove to it. And it it proved to me that you didn't need to be a heavy metal band without a groove you right. could do and write that way with hooks yeah and catchy stuff and even to this day they still do and You know, Rob Halford was an inspiration to me because he was badass. He looked great. He was an amazing singer, obviously. I loved his lyric writing. You know, and as I got older, I really began to appreciate him because he also showed me that you could be a singer in a huge metal band and still know who the up-and-comers are. You know, he is so tuned into the metal scene, and he likes it all. Like, I just saw a picture of him the other day with a Gojira shirt on, and I was like, what? Like, a completely not that I didn't think he knew who they were, but to see it, I was like, man, that's really super cool. So I like that. That's one of the things that inspired me about Halford is he's so in tune with the metal scene and and not just him and his peers of his age. You know what I mean? He does listen to the up and coming stuff and the younger bands. And even though I'm not a huge fan of baby metal, like, you know, he kind of gave them his stamp of approval and that kind of stuff. And that really kind of inspires me as a person in the music business to uh, and I always believe that, but to see it actually being done by someone of Rob Halford's popularity and fame to still appreciate the the people that are up and coming and to give them a little bit of a high five, I think that's really really super cool and you know priest is badass halford is amazing they were just a huge inspiration to me we talked about it before the live in the east was the first record of judas priest that i had ever heard and then of course i went back and and it just i mean it's just even to this day it's just an amazing record
0: oh yeah i agree with you on all that well my next band was judas priest yeah, Because as I graduated from Kiss, Judas Priest was that band. Everything that you said and then some. I mean, you talk about groove. I mean, like Starbreaker had, right. a, had a groove right. to it. But yeah. it, it was the badass riff. Ba-na-na, Ba-na-na. Ba-na. You know what I mean? So like you're saying, it doesn't have to be overdone to be metal, to have that groove, to have all this. And then you have a killer singer that's just belting stuff out. Yeah, as a guitar player, Judas Priest, to me, is the epitome of what I want to do, both as an individual, overall, the whole package, and as a band. K.K. Downing is my favorite guitar player. Glenn Tipton, another one. I learned by listening and watching and studying what they were doing about how they played together and then played independently but still coming together. And you had counter rhythms and cross fades of rhythms and, you know, seamlessly going from rhythm to lead as the other was switching, you know, how you write for two guitars. Now, when I started playing in bands, I was in a two guitar band and you were kind of, again, emulating what Judas Priest would like, you know, even over the past 10 years, I would say, you know, when I was writing parts, I would go, what would KK play at this part? Like, how would he go about doing something like this? So that late 70s sound of them, Staying Class, Killing Machine, and like you said, you know, Unleashed in the East, those three that were with Les Binks, to me, is the essence of Judas Priest. Staying Class is my all-time favorite album. If I could create an album like that, I would be done, retired, Beyond the Realms of Death <laughs> is my favorite Judas Priest song, if not my favorite song at all. You know, it's got the greatest lead in it. It's just an amazing, you know. But I learned so much from doing what they were doing, or you know, I tried to do it the best I could, and I created my own way of doing it. But it was by their influence. And like I said, as a guitar player, independently and with a band, this is what I wanted to be, how I wanted it to be you know what I wanted to do and and I did a lot of years like that and it was really cool you know even in the 90s when they changed they started that path during painkiller but then when they you know went with the ripper years they were doing some pretty intense stuff for Mm -hmm. where you you know you would consider where they started you know they were a progressive rock band that slowly pretty much ushered in the new wave of british heavy metal even though it was already coming But British Steel just brought it to the forefront. It brought it across the shores. Like you said, they definitely demonstrated that you could have quality music with a groove, with solid lyrics, and it didn't have to compete with one another. Right, right. It was all there. You know, you talk about, like, with Van Halen, there was a distinct sound, right? Mm -hmm. Every album had it. Judas Priest, there's something really phenomenal about each album is completely different. You know, as they were trying, like, you know, again, they went from staying class and killing machine. And then all of a sudden, what some people would consider dumbing it down, they came out with British Steel. So it went from progressive to just kind of straightforward up three chords, you know, A, E and G, some D, you know, stuff like that. And again, it worked. It was unbelievable. But every album has that Judas Priest essence. Like, you can't really put your finger on it because each album has a specific sound. Like, when you hear something off of Screaming for Vengeance, you know that's Screaming for Vengeance. When you hear something off of British Steel, you know. When you hear something off from Turbo, you know what it is. But in all those cases, you know that it's Judas Priest. There's just some approach to it. Now, again, they all included Rob Halford on vocals. But even with the Ripper years, when Ripper wasn't singing... And the music was slightly darker, so to speak. There still was that Judas Priest essence yeah. that was coming through, and to me, that is just you know. And the fact that they're still doing it and still coming out with amazing, powerful—I'm so looking forward to that next album. I keep you know reading about it. They're they're just you know because they were about to hang it up, and they just kind of yeah yeah they pulled up the bootstraps and said you know we're going to keep going. And as you pointed out about Halford, you know he embraces what's happening now. He acknowledges it rather than just kind of like saying, you know, hey, we're stuck in this era. This is us. It's all us. No, he embraces it because, you know, he was always pro metal. Yes. He was always pro the scene. It was everybody. It was everything. Sure. Judas Priest, there's a competitive market. It's just the way it is. However, he knew that without everybody else, there would be no market. Right. And I think that he realizes And again, I may be just making stuff up to make myself feel better. But he realizes that he isn't going to be around forever. And if artists don't embrace what's happening now, there won't be anything to go to. On a side note, like, you know, bands today need a champion of sorts. Mm -hmm. And in one of our previous podcasts, the fans may not be the champion that we hope them to be all the time. Another established artist could be the champion, could be the mouthpiece, the spokesperson, just to push that band just a little further, to give them the opportunity to become something, to get awareness. So, yeah, I think Priest is just, you know, hands down to me is the the band. You know what I mean? You know, I couldn't. They've had their ups and downs. Just like everybody else, they've had some, you know, over the past couple of years, we've read a lot of their internal turmoil with band right. members and previous band members, former band members, rather. Hey, listen, it's just the way it is. I mean, what do you, you know, we business. have to. Yeah, it's business. We, as fans, we have to kind of disassociate to some level and love the music for what it is and what it right. provides to us. As a musician myself, again, I don't really consider myself, as an artist myself, what their music has done for me has been It's invaluable.
1: Yeah. 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 You are listening to The Cosmic Voice with your hosts, Chris Natalini and Mick Michaels. My next one is the Mighty D. Snyder and Twisted Sister. Twisted Sister were, you know, first of all, one of the greatest, easiest logos ever on the planet. There was something about Twisted Sister, to me, forget what they used to look like. Like, when they put that stuff on, their stage gear, they were going to war, man. They were in battle with everybody, because, you know, the U.S. didn't really pay attention to them, and they broke in Europe. And thanks to Motorhead, you everybody knows that story, I'm sure. D was a powerhouse, man. He had a great voice. He was an amazing lyric writer. And listening to a Twisted Sister song, no matter how you feel at the end of a Twisted Sister record, you can feel like you want to take on the world. Because some of those songs, man, are, are filled with such positivity and so much fight, man. And and that's what Twisted Sister was. They fought everything. They battled everything up until, you know, pretty much, you know, unfortunately, until AJ passed away. And, you know, it was an uphill climb for them for the longest time. And uh, and they proved it, man. That music was hard. It was brutal. And D's voice, he's, he's a monster. He is a beast. He's a beast on stage. He was one of those guys that I was like, man, you know. He's singing rock and roll, heavy metal, whatever, however you want to put it. And he's putting out there some really positive stuff. I mean, he had his fantasy lyrics in there with Captain Howdy and all that. But, you know, his lyrics were filled with such positivity. And I'm like, man, that, you know, that's awesome. Like, that's really using your position to spread a a good word. I always loved uh, Dee Snider Twisted Sister. Always.
0: Yeah, Twisted Sister was definitely one of those bands and I think D emphasized it once he came on board and kind of took the helm that they had an agenda, almost yep. like a vendetta. They just pounded the pavement. I mean, I, I think I read something that, you know, J.J. French said they would sometimes do six sets yeah, a yeah. night.
1: Yeah, You know what yeah. I mean?
0: It would just go on and on and on. And, I mean, they were doing this five, six nights a week. And yep. they went like ten years, right, before a label really kind of
1: Yeah, I think so. And, you know, I'm not sure of the timeline, but yeah, they did. And then, you know, Lemmy gave them a chance and they, you know, they played in Europe and it just, it it was all over for them. And then they broke in America. So, you know, you got these five guys from New York who nobody paid attention to him here. They had to go overseas to get popular and then come home. And, uh, you know, like you said, man, they battled, man. They fought every night, every stage they got on, every set. They just, they were at yeah, the top of yeah, the game you, and they were yeah. looking
0: to fight. You watch some of that early footage of D, like when you were saying when they're over in the UK and stuff like that. I mean, he's, like you said, he's up there. It's a war. It's a battle. He wasn't afraid to go toe to toe with, with nope. anyone. The music... He wore it on his sleeve. Um, yep. Twisted Sister was definitely one of those bands too that I resonated with. There was a lot of power and punch to their music. You know, those first two albums, Can't Stop Rock and Roll, Under the Blade, there was a lot of there was a lot of aggression. Yeah. Right? But a lot it was of a, tea and vinegar. Yeah, but it was a it yeah. was a good it was a good aggression. Not like the aggression yes. that like, you know, you wanted to become like a serial killer or something. You felt strong enough that in your beliefs. That you could take on the world by yourself and make your dreams come true. And that's the kind of power. And I got a lot of that sentiment and a lot of that essence from You Can't Stop Rock and Roll. That album just (laughs) kind of oozed it, right? You just felt like, you know, if I was tall enough and could get on a motorcycle and (laughs) my feet could touch the ground, I would get on one and I would ride. You know what I mean? Um, But, you know... (laughs) I get what you're saying. I and I agree with you. And D had this charisma that it just drew you to him. Like I when when he started doing those half-hour headbanger specials oh, or you oh. know like and, Oh. You know, and then it was like 3.30 every Tuesday or Wednesday or something. You'd rush home and, you know, a half hour, you, get that, you got a half hour of metal videos. What is D <laughs> going to say? What is he going to do? You know, and he, you know, he was so tall and he was built and he had this bush of hair. And it was just like, oh, my gosh. You know what I mean? To me, that was, you know, I, it was just larger than life. Yeah. Right? You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, uh, he was. It, at at he that was. time, it's. 83, 84, 85, that's just larger than life stuff, man. Yep, And, um, you know, he was on that cusp of bringing metal to the mainstream. You know, Quiet Riot, you know, Come on, Feel the Noise, the remake of that song, pretty much put metal on the radio charts, which started everything. And Twisted Sister kind of picked it up from there. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, you know, unfortunately, it was short-lived by the time everything else started popping around. But, you know, they definitely made their mark. That documentary... You know, Twisted Sister, that's a great, great. I mean, you want to learn about the band and and the turmoil, even even the anger they were experiencing during those years with each other, with the situation. Again, they may have kind of been at each other's throats a little bit, but they used it in such a way that it just kind of fueled the music. They were going to keep going no matter what. Absolutely. There's an inspirational tale. That was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when D did, you know, that short-lived Growing Up Twisted, the reality show, I was like, yes! And then (laughs) it was gone. I go, when are they going to come back out with it?
1: I was all for it. I thought it was great. And that was another thing, too, about D man. Like, he dips his toes in a little bit of everything. And, you know, that's kind of cool, too, man. You know, he does the movies. He's done the radio. You know, a little podcast. He wrote wrote a
0: holiday song for Celine Dion. That's what brought
1: him back. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Just a badass, man. Just a monster. So good. So good. I love the fact that he is still going. Me too. You
0: know what I mean? A couple of years ago, he did a, a Christmas song with Taylor Dane. (laughs) <laughs> Taylor Dane, D. Snyder, two of my favorite singers in the 80s. <laughs> no BS there. I was pretty, uh, I was like, yeah, oh, this is awesome, you know. And I got his last solo album, D. Snyder. I was in The Widowmaker. I mean, I know we're, oh, you talked about, twist, talked about Twisted Sister, but I mean, after a while, D was the face of Twisted Sister, right? And yeah. And yeah. you followed D. I mean, you yeah, really, you know, and yeah. I loved what he did with Widowmaker. It was fantastic oh, stuff. You so know good. what I mean? So good. And so good. uh And I appreciate the fact that he's still doing what he's doing. Yeah. You know, yeah, definitely. I agree with you. I just wish I, I had that height. <laughs> I mean, even even like a little bit of it. So.
1: Like, I wish I had his abs. Yeah, I know. My God.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Jeez. I wish, I wish I could get into jeans like he used to, but. I uh, <laughs> couldn't breathe. It was amazing. I mean, all of them, actually. They look like they just kind of like they dipped them into that. Like, you know, again, you go to that Can't Stop Rock and Roll video. It's like, where the hell did you get jeans like that? You know what I mean? Some of the best denim on denim look. My daughter always right? complains about the de- dad. denim on denim. What are you talking about? Like, I grew up with denim on denim. That's I know, we man, do. right?
1: I, I, Twisted Sister pulled it off. Yeah, man. they pulled it off, Pulled man. it off.
0: Yeah, it looked great. So, I don't know. All right, well, for me, my next thing, it's not necessarily... I guess it would be the band, but it's one particular album from the band that kind of shaped a lot of my songwriting, and that's White Snake Slided it In. It's one of my top mm-hmm. ten albums. I love that album. Again, it's not a heavy metal Bro. album, but it, it is a rockin' album. John Sykes, Cozy was- Pal. I learned what rhythms, simplistic rhythms... Like you mentioned earlier, with a lot of groove, with a lot of substance. I have a number of songs that were, you know, kind of inspired from that album sliding in. It's just an amazing thing. I mean, the arrangements of just like that backup guitar doing an A-chug or the second half of the verse, the hi-hats are open. Right. And the first half, they're closed tight, you know, and then they're ringing. I mean, it's just stuff like that. I can't explain the bottom end of, I mean, in the pocket, right? In in-the-pocket yeah. beat with the bass player just kind of like, you know, pumping through it. I'm telling you, that album, I can listen to that, and I used to, over and over. I mean, I it was definitely one of the ones that were always carried around with me. And I, I love that album. I mean, I, till this day... You know, the White Snake album, the one that kind of pushed them into the limelight, is a great album as well. And we talked about that album in a podcast. But for me, slide it in in terms of what it did for me as a songwriter and as an arranger. It's to this day, I use that album and I use it as an example with other people, you know. Even with my drummer, Matt T, I said, listen, this is this is definitely something. You want to kind of get in, into my head to where I'm going. You know, get yourself familiar with this album. It's just amazing. I mean, got John Sykes and Cozy Pal together. I don't even want to talk. I mean, with David Coverdale singing. I mean, there's so much soul to that. Well so much. Down. Yep. Well yeah. down. I mean, I, I just, I'm kind of getting all shooken up right now just thinking. Of, I think I may just... I may just end this now and go get the album, so.
1: (laughs) Can you carry on the rest of the way? (laughs) I got this. Go ahead. (laughs) Uh, You know, man, White Snake is one of my favorites. Slided in is one of the most underrated records, rock records of all time. I mean, well, you know, first of all, you know, White Snake was kind of like you You're
0: right. They were always pushed to the back back then. Right? Yes. Oh, it's just yep. a, it's just a, it's just a rainbow ripoff. Oh, it's just a deep purple ripoff. Oh, it's just, right. it's this, 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 this. And they struggled, yeah, in a sense, yeah. you know. And yeah. it was that yep. next album, like we talked about it. He got the sound that he was looking for. Now he needed yeah. to look. That's why all those guys right. were fired, and that supergroup was brought in, you right. know. But the Slide It In album, anybody that goes back to it, oh, listen, just... and nobody could pull off breaths
1: like David. No that yeah. dude breathes through the whole record yeah
0: and you know what I mean and when it went to CD you could hear everything crystal clear back then now people are, don't breathe in that mic don't I know I know I know you know what I <laughs> mean that. but now David Coverdale goes I'm breathing because people like it and I remember <laughs> listen and you know I mean I just remember young women going nuts uh, David, oh. did you hear that David Coverdale was breathing on the thing <laughs> breathing you want to hear breathing
1: <laughs> I run up and down the steps a couple of times I'm out of breath. You're not David Coverdale. <laughs> I'm not that's David Coverdale, <laughs> but I agree. White Snake. Uh, well, you were said about that album. Sliding In is definitely an album that. Yeah, I agree. That I carried with me through uh, a lot of my teen years. Yeah, for sure. Because that's just an amazing. It record rocks. There. It has groove.
0: It has it has texture mm-hmm. and late. Yeah, I mean it's just yep. ama- it's just an amazing album. I can't
1: even. Yeah, you know it is. It is. It is. So the next and final for me, everybody that does know me knows that Exodus is one of my all-time favorite thrash bands ever. But really, I gotta be honest and go back. The band that influenced me to get into thrash metal, the one that really kind of paved the way to where I am today, was Metallica and Kill 'Em All. Kill 'Em All being the first record. Now, mind you, I you know at that time I also heard Anthrax and Slayer and Nexus kind of around the same time, but Metallica's Kill 'Em All was really the one that took me on this journey. And it was vicious. It was fast. It was aggressive. It was fun. course, the lyrics are, you know, they're war and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, there was just something about it that just was a lot of fun to me. And whatever you think about them today in 2021, and, and, you know, they still do it today, man. And I said it in one of our very, very early podcasts that, you know, Metallica does really great cool things. And that inspires me so much because they've been doing it. They do what they want to do. They don't apologize for it. You know, they do stuff like Lola and, you know, they cut their hair and put makeup on and do fingernail polish and they don't apologize. It was something they tried. They did. Some people hated it. Some people loved it. But, you know, Metallica going on all these years playing this kind of, you know, that kind of music is, is a lot to say about those guys and how talented they truly, truly are. Um, They've been through a lot. Yeah, Killmall inspired me, man. Listening to that record, and I'll never forget the first time I heard it, and I'm like, man, that's, that's it. Like, that's what I need in my life. That's what I'm missing musically. It just took me off, of course, it just took me off to a, a whole different path of, of music. You know, James Hetfield, I, was, I admired James Hetfield. He was a hero of mine. He was just cool looking. He had the voice. He had the hair. He played guitar. He was all slouched over. And the big thing they were doing back in the day was how you see us on stage is how you see us off stage. And, you know, they always looked like they were having a great time. They were probably drunk half the time, but they were always having fun, always being silly. Those guys playing that kind of music was just phenomenal. They're just phenomenal. And they are to this day. I know a lot of people give them a lot of slack, but you can't deny their success and and the talent.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't also deny what they did for the genre as a whole. Yes, Thrash was pushed more to the forefront as the 80s concluded, and then it it continued as it was fighting. You know, kind of, they were the counterculture to the hair metal, the mainstream stuff, right? So there's no denying what they definitely did and provided for both the fan and the artist-musician type of thing because I think everybody on some level was inspired and or influenced by them because if you wanted to make something heavier... You took something from Metallica, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because they became recognizable for that. And then every yeah. other band kind of seemed to kind of follow suit. Now, again, they were the ones that hit. And there was I'm sure there were other bands as well. It was happening yeah. here in, in the New York area with Anthrax as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yeah. You know, that kind of thing. But I have to admit that at that time, it never resonated with me. I didn't deny the fact that they were good players. There was some cool stuff. I wasn't blinded to it. It just I didn't go running to it like a lot of other people did. Um, As years went on, I began to appreciate more and more. And again, this is just because I was going somewhere else. Again, you know, I was into stuff like Slide It In, you know what I mean? John Sykes, there were certain guitar players that I was, I probably had more of a blues influence than I did anything else, you know, coming up. So I was still gravitating towards that for a lot of years. As I started getting into the more progressive and we wanted to add a heavier element, yeah, well, there was things that then started to, uh, to make sense with me. But again, that was a maturation of my ability, my craft, my education as well. I mean, you can't take everything in all at one time. Right. You know what right, I mean? Right. I mean, right. even to this day, I, listen, I, I, I've i seen Metallica a number of times. It's always been a great show. I don't deny anything that they've ever done. I'll sit there and I'll listen to it. I went on a trip to Tennessee one year during college, and Master of the Puppets was stuck in the cassette player, and that's what <laughs> we listened to. Side A, side B, side A, side B. <laughs> we couldn't even get the radio to work. And we listened to it for the ride two. And the ride back. So, and I know we got lost several times, so it was like we were driving for a couple of days. So, of non-stop. So, didn't deny, you know, I didn't deny, I didn't go, oh, I can't stand this stuff. I enjoyed it. It was great. But even today, you know, I'm not the biggest Metallica fan like some people are, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, but yeah. I do appreciate what they do and what they've done for
1: the genre. You know, it's, it's all good. I think, too, also, you know, with me, it made me realize that I haven't written many long songs in my career, but you know, Metallica was one of the bands that they could write a long song, and you didn't realize it was long. Like right. some some bands that write long songs, you're like, oh my goodness, is this ever going to end? And right. Metallica's long songs, they kind of go like they have a knack for writing long songs and, and not being not being boring for lack of a better word. Yeah, you it kinda... seems like their changes happen
0: just when they're needed. Like where yeah. the, where the mind goes, oh man, it's something, and then boom. It changes, and sometimes it could be a continuation of the change before, but it's just different enough. So, yeah, parts carry you, and and it doesn't seem like it's a 65-minute song. I I know exactly (laughs) what you're talking about, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. (laughs) Right, Um, right. You know, but yeah, yeah. Well, for me, my final influence, this is really super personal, was my older brother. I do say that in a number of interviews over the years. My older brother played guitar. He was into hard rock, you know, into the metal scene. He introduced me basically to Kiss, the Judas Priest, to that White Snake album, pretty much all that. You know, he was influenced by Zeppelin and Black Sabbath and. Um, you know, Dio with Rainbow, and and so on and so forth. The Doobie Brothers, things like that. Even Cool and the Gang back in the seventies. So mm-hmm. I, I picked up a lot of that type of stuff. And he also played guitar, which was the catalyst for me to go from drums to guitar as I started getting into my preteens. I was like, you know, I want to be more like my brother, older brother. And as time went on, we actually got to play together in a couple bands, and we did some stuff together. And it was always exciting for me to be able to play with my older brother. Uh, Mm -hmm. in that capacity i'm very appreciative of those formative years because he just didn't let me slide because i was his younger brother almost Mm -hmm. it was like the opposite i it was right it was like tooth and nail i mean you know the hammer came down and when it came down it came down strong on me maybe that's why i'm short i'm not sure but (laughs) you know i learned a good work ethic in terms of being in a band in you know rehearsing over and over you know it's rehearsal it's rehearsal it's not practice you know what I mean that kind of thing and even though as a young person because there is a number of years between my brother and I I didn't always get it but I do appreciate it now because it's a work ethic that has really helped me be a better artist be a better songwriter and not just leave things to chance you know and a lot of my hands-on guitar playing Now, I've never taken formal instruction we just couldn't afford it when I was young and I don't think I could have sat still for it anyway because I had a problem with authority or anybody telling me what to do however my guitar playing instruction was happening on the fly with my brother so there was style things that I was learning from him and there's things that we kind of do that are similar but then there's some differences now that could have been laziness on my part, or for whatever reason, because there was a lot of that too, you know, girl, Because you just want to play. I just want to play. I just want to play. <laughs> I just want to play. Just want to play. play. Don't. I'm not worried about what this chord's called. I don't even know. How do you spell chord? I just want to play. Here, put your fingers here. Put your fingers here. Here, just show me what to do. And uh, you know, and that's you know, and that's kind of where it was at. But I learned a lot about that dual guitar. And you know things like that, and you know, and I'm really appreciative of it. I think that above all else that I mentioned on this podcast, I think my brother's influence was probably the strongest and the most long-term influence that I have even till this day. And I'm very appreciative of that because it, you know, it keeps me, it keeps me on my toes, and it keeps people that that work with me on their toes as well. So just carrying on what I was, I'm trying to push it forward in that regard. So. There you have it. Awesome. Awesome. You got anything else you'd like to add? No, no. Not at all, brother. All right. Well, we appreciate you guys listening to us. And be sure to check out some of our other programming here at the Cosmic Verse, uh, whether it be Cosmos Top of the Heap List or Muck and Junk. If you have a question, send it in, and we will do our best to answer it. And you can check out everything at www.thecosmicvoice.com. Thanks so much for listening. This is The Cosmic Voice. Be sure to check us out at thecosmicvoice.com. Like and follow us on Facebook at The Cosmic Voice. You can find The Cosmic Voice everywhere you listen to online podcasts like Deezer, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, and so
1: many more. Okay, folks, that will do it for another episode of The Cosmic Voice. Mick and I would like to say thank you very much for tuning in, and we will see you next week.
0: You're listening to The Cosmic Voice. Music, talk, and
1: nothing but business.